0: I think our job as writers is to pay attention. It's to pay attention to the world around us and to pay attention to how that talks to the world within us. It's a matter of presence and mindfulness and like being aware of things. But to be a good writer, you have to like look around and also be a lifelong learner. And so I feel like no matter where I am, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. Sometimes our gifts are our greatest burdens. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm always aware and listening and watching for just what I can learn in different situations. And I'm not always knowing that I'm doing that. But when I see it, I know it.
1: And we see it all around us. And the most unlikely people and situations can teach us things as writers. Welcome to the Hope Writers Podcast. This is episode four of season one What We've Learned from Unlikely Writing Teachers. That's coming up. The Hope Writers Podcast is for you, whether you're a beginner or you've been writing for a while or you're an experienced author. If you want your writing to give others hope, welcome home. We want to give you hope. The Hope Rider Podcast is brought to you by Hope Writers, an online membership community for writers of hope, We know how lonely and overwhelming this writing life can be. That's why we started Hope Writers. And who is we? sisters and authors Emily Freeman and Michael and Smith, they blog and write books. Marketing and tech guru Brian Dixon, he also writes books. And me, Gary Moreland, Michael and Emily's dad, just got my first book contract. Yeah, we like books and writing. At Hope Writers, you'll find training, encouragement, and community. And right now you can try Hope Writers for one week for just a dollar. Is visit hopewriters.com slash trial. You'll learn to hustle without losing your heart, market without losing your soul, and write without losing your mind. Go inside Hope Writers for one week for just a buck at hopewriters.com slash trial. In the previous episode of the Hope Writer Podcast, episode three, we helped you see how Instagram can be an extension of your writing. It's another way to share your message and give hope. But how do you know what to post, what to say, what not to post and say, and why? Well, that Instagram for Writers episode will help. And you'll hear Mike share how her eyes were opened to what Instagram can be and how she changed how she uses it. That's the previous episode of the Hope Writer Podcast, Episode 3 of Season 1, Instagram for Writers. This is Episode 4 of Season 1, What We've Learned from Unlikely Writing Teachers. Someone once said we all walk past a thousand story ideas every day, and the good writers are the ones who notice five or six. Well, it's the same with teachers. They're all around us. And this episode, you'll hear what we've learned from unlikely writing teachers like Taylor Swift, Bob Marley, Stacey London from What Not to Wear, Lauren Michaels from Saturday Night Live, philosopher Marcus Aurelius, and now they're not actually guests on this episode. Uh, you know, we tried to get a hold of them, but to our people and their people, you know, just just too busy and it didn't happen. But they are part of that writing school that's all around us if we just open our eyes and pay attention and learn. And oh, if you've ever thought that writing a blog post that goes viral would be the ultimate success, don't miss the last eight to ten minutes of this episode. We're going to start with Kristen Strong sharing her unlikely teacher. Kristen's a member of Hope Writers. She's also an author. Her book is Girl Meets Change, Truths to Carry You Through Life's Transitions. And you can watch a video interview with Kristen and her experience with book proposals inside Hope Writers when you take advantage of the free trial. Kristen's unlikely writing teacher Country music singers.
2: Country music artists, they know who they are, they know where they came from. Uh, They're not afraid to create from who they are for those who can identify where they came from. Uh, Lady Annabellum. they have a song called We Owned the Night, and um, my my daughter had gone through kind of a scary surgery. She'd broken her neck, and we weren't sure um, kind of what she was going to be able to do afterwards. Uh, that song was playing the night we found out she could take off her brace. She could do, you know, she could start dancing and moving and everything, again, like she used to. I mean, we were at a point where we were holding her hand to walk down the stairs. You know, she couldn't run. She couldn't ride her, certainly couldn't ride her bike, couldn't play at recess on the jungle gym. So that was the first night so the first night we were able to see her actually be her old self again that song was playing on the radio and she just started dancing to it hmm. and I just started crying so that song holds a meaningful place in it cuz I felt like we were owning the kitchen <laughs> that night dancing in there
1: So and how do you how do what do you take away from that then as a writer <laughs>
2: That writing should have an element of storytelling to it, and if you don't put any kind of authenticity to it, it's going to be much harder for the reader to relate to it. And so, for me, country music just really drips with heart and authenticity, and it speaks to me because you know, while it's not going to speak to everybody, not everybody is going to identify with open tailgates in a field <laughs> or winding gravel roads, <laughs> but but I do identify with it because um, I that's that's the landscape of my childhood. So while it's not for everybody. They, you know, they offer it to those who can identify with what they know. And so that teaches me to stay true to what I know and write from those experiences rather than writing from a place that's going to, you know, try to please everybody because that's just going to be impossible. Not everybody loves country music. Not everybody's going to love Kristen Strong's writing, but it's going to speak to some just to stay true to that.
1: Awesome. You never know how you might be able to connect personally, even if you don't know someone else's exact situation.
2: Yeah, it could be the exact same with your writing. You never know what you write um, at one moment is gonna is gonna connect with the heart of somebody else. Whatever story you're living, or whatever wherever your life is, even if you feel like it's incredibly mundane, it's amazing when you really start thinking about um, different different parts of your history or, or your or your present life. How much rich material can still be found in that? You know, you don't have to be uh, adventurous. You don't have to be a skydiver. You don't have to be you know living something really dramatic <laughs> to have a, to have a powerful story that will relate to somebody else's story, and they will be able to make a heart. Connection with. So don't be afraid to own what God is doing in your life and how He's speaking to you and wants to speak to others through your words.
1: That's Kristen Strong. You can catch up with her online at chasingblueskies.net. What have you learned about writing from unlikely teachers? Emily?
0: Several months ago, I was at um, a Taylor Swift concert with my girls who are 12 and they were so excited. We went to the 1989 tour and we set. Way up in the nosebleed seats, but it was super fun, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I would have gone to the concert if I didn't have middle school girls. But you might have. But I might have. (laughs) She puts on a great concert. But um, the night was really fun. And something that she did, um, which I'm sure it was in the news, I'm sure lots of people have heard about it, is each venue, each time she went to a different city, she would have a surprise guest. And so, like, I think Ellen was one of her guests. I think she had, like, Julia Roberts randomly. And the night we were there, like, and she opened the show sort of towards the beginning, because by now, you know, she came to Greensboro, and we were... Further along on the tour, everybody kind of knew that she was doing this. So you kind of wonder, like, who's going to be the guest? Mm -hmm. You know, you hope it's, like, somebody that you like. And um, she teased it at the beginning, you know, how you do, like – To a big audience, she kind of did a little thing where we knew like it was going to come later. And she's like, if you cheer really loud, then maybe I'll bring someone out. Of course, you know, she's got them. So they're coming. And so through the concert, finally, it comes to where, you know, like, this is going to be the time. Like, it's getting late and it's almost time. And so she has like a two minute lead up of who the person is. You don't know who it is. And so finally, she says, like. Mm -hmm. I think she said something like, she's won this many Grammys. And so everyone, you hear everyone in the audience go, she, 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 she. Because then, you know, it's a woman. Like, where everybody's trying to guess, like, who's it going to be. And she then introduced, like, everyone, put your hands together for Miranda Lambert. And Miranda Lambert comes out. She does Little Red Wagon. And everyone's so excited. Not even, I mean, because of Miranda Lambert, but also because we were surprised. It was, like, such Mm a collective thing to be surprised with Miranda Lambert and you bought a Taylor Swift ticket but then you also get Miranda and it was really fun and I when I got home I read an article that had either interviewed Taylor or had was just talking about her career and basically at some point in her life she has said that she always aims to in her career she wants to surprise never to shock and I thought that was such an interesting thing and I think being at her concert I felt that I never felt shocked like oh cover my girl's eyes you know like but it was always, there was always an element of surprise. You're not quite sure what she's going to do next. And for me, that was great entertainment. <clears throat> but as a writer, um, I feel like Taylor Swift is an unlikely teacher, teacher for me about writing because I thought, you know, that's her filter. Her filter for her being an entertainer, her filter for her shows is, at least right now in this time, and what I experienced was, to surprise but not to shock. And so... I thought about my own writing and I thought, I'm not, That's I have a different filter. But for me, the whole, I create space for your soul to breathe, that's my filter. And I thought, what a great way to think about your business or your work, or in my case, my writing in um, having that filter in place, because it so helps you decide what to write about and what not to write about. So Taylor Swift has been for me an unlikely teacher
3: about writing. Love it. Mine is Stacy London of TLC's hit show what not to wear
2: <laughs> that's good
3: yeah she's fantastic so she has worked with magazines like cosmopolitan vogue if not those things that feel just <laughs> as fancy and as impressive um since she was really young like in her 20s straight out of college super talented fashionista woman with style so like she tells us what not to wear and what to wear she is the one that we all look to like how to be how to look and when she was younger, she had, like, psoriasis or something, strep. She got all these little diseases. I don't even know. Not little, but not huge. Um, and she ended up with a gray streak in her hair. And then when she became more famous, Pantene hired her to be the Pantene girl. So they're shampoo. So she's a hair model as just, like, one of her part-time things. But in her contract, she had a gray clause telling Pantene –
1: <laughs> yeah
3: is that a burp <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't get it did What's you so burp funny? I just heard a oh, oh okay sorry <laughs> no I was I clearing my throat we're children I'm so sorry I think I cleared my throat <laughs> no it was me you I didn't
2: do it no I, I didn't do it myself <laughs> I, didn't so, I don't well, get it, it. <laughs>
1: I didn't know it was me.
3: Where do I pick up? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she, she had, had Ray
1: Claws. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. No, it's distract. fine,
3: it was great. <laughs>
1: it was a, it was an outer, not an inner. No, it wasn't a burp. It was an inner. It was an inner. As long as I don't smell it. <laughs> Whatever it's fine. No, there's nothing to smell. I know it's your worst fear. Did you know that?
3: My your superpower.
1: Don't her superpower. I smell she burps. can smell a burp.
3: Don't I mean, ever burp in an enclosed like, car with me. Yeah.
1: And she's she knows famous people who have done that and she no secrets about what they had to eat for lunch
3: yeah oh i forgot about that anyway let's move on i had suppressed that pantene pantene
1: burp claws now (laughs) okay that's right the gray claws
3: oh
0: a gray so a gray g-r-a-y as in the color gray
3: Color gray, because she has right, like, on the front of her hair, Stacey London has all gray, like a little Because she has really dark hair. She way. has dark black, black, brown, black hair. Dark black It's a word. <laughs> and <laughs> then gray she. in the front. Now, I think sometimes she might decide to do something with it. But as, like, Pantene being her boss and doing commercials for them, she made sure it was in her contract that they couldn't touch it. They didn't get to say you have to dye that to be Our Lady because she felt like she had earned it. Like that's part of who she is. She got that like when she was a teenager. She's had the gray all of her life. And that's just part of her story. So it made me realize that I am allowed to... Cling to parts of my story that maybe aren't acceptable, or other people might not. Well, you should cover that up, or you know, we don't talk about that, or you know, that's not really stylish right now, so we're not going to do it that way. Like she sets the style. She would probably tell someone with gray hair, "Oh, you might want to consider coloring your hair." But it was that one streak that she's really protective of, with such purpose, and I love that. And one, it made me think of when Nesting Place came out, the, your book, that's Nesting Place. When my book came out. Every time I went through edits, they kept trying to edit out this one word, yesternow. now. Like I was talking about how I wanted something yester now. And I just thought that word, even though it's a made up word, it really communicates exactly what we mean. We use that, Emily and I use that a lot now. And they kept thinking it was a typo. So I had to fight for it because no, that communicates like the weirdness and the quirkiness. And also, yester now was kind of like part of my gray clause. So I think it's important for us all to have. Like these little hills that we're willing to die for that might or die on that might seem ridiculous to someone else and have our own little gray clauses. I like her for that. I like that, too. In one of my books, I
0: like I had like a, you know, this, this, this for the love and like had for the love, you know, but without like for the love of something. Mm -hmm. And the editors, which just this is their job, you know, and they were trying to say like, well, don't you mean like for the love of Pete? Or whatever, and I'm like, no, I just mean for the love, right? This was before Jen Hatmaker as a beginning book and out, end, By right. the way, now they all know. <laughs> now they know. Like she put for the love, that was like her title, and now it's it's now acceptable. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it wasn't. But it is like a little example of how. Just different people, are different ways. But like you get to, as long as you know it works. But even if it's just in your writing, that small little way, like you get to say, maybe, maybe you don't. But if you do, you can. <laughs> right.
3: Well, and you can choose. Is this something I want to fight for, right. or maybe not? Oh, who cares? Die, die the gray. Not we, a big. We thing. won't care. But we get to it's the principle of be a the part thing. of deciding. Right. I like that. Stacy
0: London, an unlikely yeah. teacher.
1: Tommy Kramer. Who's that? Oh. Uh, Texas radio hall of fame guy, grizzled radio veteran, used to do radio morning shows. Now he's a radio morning show coach. Since I was, I've was, i been trained for you know a lot of years in radio, which is the same kind of thing in a way. So this is a little more direct. It's maybe not quite as uh, unlikely. But his mantra, one of his mantras was, be the moon, not the sun. Everybody wants to be the moon, and that's not your job. Your job is to reflect back to the listener, or in our case, the reader, what, what they're thinking of or how they're feeling this day, what their life is this day, you reflect that back to them, filtered through your own opinions and perspectives. And if you do that, then it was like you said uh, at a different time, uh, Michael in one of the other podcasts, you said, or your Instagram podcast, Instagram for writers, you said, when I look at your Instagram feed, I don't want to see you in a sense, right? You want to see you in their feed. Yeah, you want to see it f- you want to see you filtered through their opinions and experiences and beliefs. Right. But you want to be able to see yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his point was you let you you do talk about yourself, but you you don't do that first. You first begin with the listener and then you reveal your own hmm. take or your own perspective on something. And you let them know what's in your heart, that's part of who you are and part of what you're doing. But that's not your mission. Your mission is still them, but you want them to connect to connect with you.
4: Yeah. My, mine is um, it's more of a life lesson, but it's applied to writing as well. When I when I left education to, to start working with authors and doing marketing and, and things like that, um, I had an opportunity to serve as a road manager for, for a well-known author. And, and I remember it was a very expensive event. It was on the coast of Alabama at this really famous hotel. And it was about a three-hour drive for us. And we'd never stayed at the hotel before. So I'm a rookie. So I thought, I'll bring the family. Like, as a, like I'm going to serve as a road manager, but also have the family there. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> and at the time, our son was very young. and uh, And so it was so weird to go from like, you know, eight. It was a two-day event. So, so like the eight to ten-hour day of being in this really professional, very expensive environment. Everything's polished and produced so well. And then going back to the hotel room with my like mm. crying baby, <laughs> and and so the second day of the conference, he would not stop crying, and my wife just needed sleep. And it was like two thirty or three thirty in the morning. <laughs> and so I took him out of the hotel room, put him in the car. We we're driving around this little beach town in Gulf Shores, Alabama and, I was, and we we're listening to Bob Marley, because he would always fall asleep to Bob Marley. And <laughs> wow. there's a famous song, right? No Woman, No Cry is one of, is one of Bob Marley's famous songs. And the recording on Legend, on, one, on his big album, is a live recording of that song. And so it's, at the time, Bob Marley was very famous when that, when that song was recorded. So you can hear there's lots of people in the background singing along. And uh, right before the second uh, chorus there's microphone feedback in the recording so famous recording and there's it goes like no like there's this sort of the microphone sound you know what i'm talking it's about it's a mistake it, yeah. yeah it's a mistake it's not supposed to be there not supposed to be they're not planned for in a live recording and in the most famous recording of one of his most famous songs so it's been listened to millions and millions and millions of times And the juxtaposition of like, here I am at this event that's highly produced, and everything was executed flawlessly. Nobody's microphone battery died. You know, nobody got confused about tickets. Like, everything was perfect at this event, and yet... And, but my life wasn't that, you know, because I'm trying to, like, figure out what's going on with my, you know, my baby while driving around in the car until he finally falls asleep. And then I spent most of the, the, the night sleeping in a parking lot in our SUV. <laughs> wow. And then, I mean, it's real life. And, and it, it just hit me because we listen to that song over and again, over again. And every time, right before the second chorus, the microphone feedback. Mm-hmm. And I thought no matter what level you get to, you're going to have microphone feedback. There are <laughs> things that you can't plan for. And and just embrace, like, that's the art. Like, the art is made in the mistakes, you know, that you can't plan at all. And as much as, and, and what I learned there as well is that this client I was working with wasn't my ideal client because everything can't be perfect all the oh, time. That's
2: good. Right? Yeah. And that's
4: so good. I love, first of all, I love live events for that very reason. I love doing live, like, Podcasts and stuff like that live is fun because you're gonna think of things that you never would have said if you really planned it, you know? But then also like leave the mistakes in. That's what makes it art. That's what makes it authentic. Mm. And I think
1: we can apply it to our writing too. Awesome. That's good. Unless like, it's grammar, grammar mistake. <laughs> and put a grammar mistake in on purpose sometimes. Stop it. To like be human.
0: All the editors just <laughs> stop listening. <laughs>
1: We've lost all respect.
0: <laughs>
3: I love that. <laughs> That's good. I'm leave
1: so the, glad that baby cried. Leave the feedback. I would be
0: listening for that mess up every Leave time. the feedback. Like, there it is. One time we were all at church, you know, when we used to go to a way bigger church, like 3,000 people in the auditorium, and there were no windows because it's like a movie theater type of place. And just one day, I think there was a storm outside. The power went out in the middle of the service. And this is a church where it's like, things don't go wrong. I mean, they've got it all timed and everything. Power went out and everybody started to cheer like babies wow. like children at a high school like, like a little Why do you think that was? John and I have talked about why did everybody oh, so cheer? Fine. And it was almost like oh this is so exciting this is so unexpected
1: something we're real. We're all in
0: this together <laughs> and it's we're not robots after all like things can actually go wrong. Oh,
3: everybody cheered. So good. That's so interesting? interesting. But I
0: think it is like I think we all collectively breathe a sigh of relief mm-hmm. when something goes wrong in a place where we don't expect it mm-hmm. to go wrong because Isn't that our life? Like, that's what our life is.
1: Mm -hmm. Nobody gets hurt. That's right. It's Mm -hmm. like, so what's wrong if something goes wrong? Nobody got hurt. It's fine. You lived through it. Mm -hmm. But, you know,
4: here's the thing. Like, the, the song that I was talking to is still a great recording. Like it's a great, like the, the vibe of that song is it's a great song. You know, like the church service you're talking about like was probably a really dynamic church service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like you, you can't live in the mistakes all the time. Right. Like if the whole album was microphone feedback, like yeah. you would nobody would listen to it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <it. laughs> but leaving it in kind of humanizes the process. Absolutely. So I think when we write, sometimes we go to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is we want to talk about all the mistakes all the time and make it so relatable but not, not inspirational readable. not readable <laughs> yeah. you know and yeah. so balancing that out and saying like let's do our best to make it as great as possible you know one of my, my favorite inspirational guys is jim Rohn, and he says do your best to get it all like do your best to do the best you possibly can but you know what you're never going to hit that perfection and so it's okay like leave some of that in because that's the real life hmm. So that's I think that's the balance.
0: Um, Someone who has been an unlikely teacher for me is um, Lauren Michaels, the creator of Saturday Night Live. um, For two reasons, one is he was I listened to him in an interview with Alec Baldwin, where Alec was asking Lauren if he if he would rather like have shows on cable uh, network or on like just regular network TV, and Lauren was talking about how he prefers. The network tv because of the boundaries he has to work within and he's had one line he said to me there's no creativity without boundaries Mm. and he liked the idea that he couldn't use certain language that they couldn't just go crazy and like do whatever they wanted because to him that forced him to be creative within the limits that he was given and so for me as a writer that helps me because when i feel like i need more time or i need more smarts or i need more energy or whatever it is i think i need more of and i feel like i'm lacking something Oftentimes, that's when I feel like I'm forced to be creative within my own limits. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that's hard because, I mean, I remember I wrote my first book proposal when my kids were still in preschool. And they're older now, and they go to school all day now. But at the time, they only went to school twice a week. Um, And so I just knew that's my limit. It's when they're in preschool, that's when I'm going to write. And I couldn't write other times because I couldn't think straight. And so that's one, that embracing my limits, I think that was one thing that he has taught me. And the second thing is um, he's famously said that uh, Saturday Night Live does not go on because it's ready. Saturday Night Live goes on the air because it's 1130 on a Saturday night. It goes on because it's time. And I think sometimes as a writer, I think that I have to wait until it's perfect. Um, But the truth is that I'm often looking for the wrong signs. I'm looking for something to be ready and perfect and finished and that I feel the sense of accomplishment and completion when instead I'm learning to cultivate sort of that writer's intuition within me to realize, you know what, it's just time. It's time to ship this. It's time to let this go. Um, And I think that can be applied to a lot of areas. But for me personally, it's been applied to my writing.
1: Love it. Awesome. Good There's stuff. a book, The Obstacle is the Way. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. based Ryan on the, yeah. who's the, someone's philosophy, some ancient yeah, philosopher very, like, is based the on that. Marcus Aurelius. Yes. Yeah. And anytime the, the answer and the direction that you want to go is always in the obstacle, if you will have these three or five attitudes, whatever he said. That's right. And you would find the way then through the obstacle. The obstacle never stopped you, it just led you on to the next thing.
4: Yeah, I mean, it it comes from stoic philosophy, and the, the whole idea is basically, like, reality is reality, and so deal with it. Like, that's essentially what he's saying. It's, you know, what you have in front of you. Like, okay, you're listening to this podcast episode right now. You're likely a mom with kids, and you want to be a writer. That's probably who you are. Like, be a writer as a mom with kids that's right like that is your life so stop waiting until it's all perfect but write in the mess don't write only about the mess but write in the mess and that is the way right the obstacle the thing in front of you is the way like my six-year-old yesterday was driving me crazy like i was thinking like how is my how is this my son right now you know and and i was like i wanted him to be a little robot boy instead of being a real boy you know and i realized wait a second i'm learning about being a dad and I'm learning about my relationship with Christ and all these other huge life lessons because he's being who he is right now and how he is right now. And so even though it felt like an obstacle at that time, it's actually the way to maybe sanctify me a little bit in that day or at least to to teach me a little bit. So I think for us who who are feel limited, feel like we don't have enough time, we don't have enough resources and enough connections or whatever it is, like Use that and embrace that. Um, don't live in it. Don't wallow in it. But, 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 but be present in it so you see it and then, and then use that to move forward.
1: <laughs> Unlikely teacher who taught me about writing, Rango. <laughs> that movie? Rango. The cartoon? Yeah, yeah Johnny Depp is the, uh, the chameleon or the gecko, whatever that little creature is. Little lizard guy. You, you know the movie I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: He's a pretender. So he likes thinking that he is a certain thing, but he doesn't really want to step up and be that thing. So he pretends all the time. Is and he a then, chameleon?
0: Like, does he change He's colors? a lizard. He's a cartoon. Okay.
1: It's a cartoon. He's just a lizard. Whatever you want to call those things. With The ones with the big eyes that you see in the desert, okay? So then, like all good stories, there's an inciting incident where he is now faced with the opportunity and the challenge to actually be the kinds of things that he's always pretended to be. Mm. And he fails. And he fails horribly. And he lets everyone down. And they all now know that he's just a poser. And so he walks off, you know, we're two-thirds, three-fourths of the way through the movie. He walks off and he goes out into the, into the desert, retracing his old steps. Total failure and loser. And he meets the spirit uh, of the West, which is a, like a Clint Eastwood character who's walking the desert with a metal detector. <laughs> and they have a conversation with the spirit of the West. And he said... Why don't you to do the Clint Eastwood voice?
0: <laughs> right, right. That's what I'm waiting yeah.
1: for. Rango begins talking about how he's a, a fraud and he's a phony. And the spirit of the West says, then be a hero. Don't you see? It's not about you. It's about them. The people that he had let down and that he had failed mm. and that he had pretended with. You don't have a choice. No one can walk out on his own story. And so in writing, if you're a hope writer, you are not writing about yourself or just about the things that you want to do or about your life or what happened. You include those like my friend Tommy Kramer said, but your mission is actually for the reader. And so Rango was forced to go back to the scenes of his failure and to actually then, without having a plan or knowing how he was going to do it, to simply confront it and be as real as he could for those people. He did it and circumstances aligned like they often do. Once you commit to something, things seem to line up for some reason and they lined up for him and he he then actually lived the real life that he was, became the hero that he was, rescued the people that he actually really did want to do. What's inside you that can serve them? And so it's not just anything that's inside you. It's something that's actually real Mm -hmm. inside you. But you have to pick the part, not just the part that interests you that fullness of your personality, what part of that fullness of your personality inside you can serve them? And then that's the one you're going to immerse yourself in for their sake. And then you can become a hero because you've embraced your own story.
0: It's like putting it through that filter.
1: Yes, that's the filter. The filter is, what. Well, there's a million things I could talk about, but what if my interests can actually serve someone else? Right. And can I then immerse myself in that? Am I willing to do that and sacrifice all, other, all those other things that I'm interested in, but just maybe don't really serve other people?
0: It's like I know, Brian, I've heard you talk about a lot that, you know, people tend to start with what are they passionate about and that that's kind of the wrong place to start. Because you think, well, it's great what you're passionate about. That's nice for you personally. But if you're talking about serving someone else, you can't just do that. But you also can't just talk about what serves the other person, because if you're not passionate about it, it won't spread and it won't catch and you'll bore yourself to tears. It's like when I first started. Um, not first started blogging, but for a while I was blogging and I know my sister had a house blog. And so I had some spillover readers from your blog and I happened to be moving at the time. And so I started because house was top of mind for me. I started to write about house stuff because it was interesting to me at that time. But then I started attracting readers who wanted to know more about house stuff. And then I stopped caring about house stuff because it was boring to me after a time, but the readers were still asking for it. And I had to make a decision like, do I want to write more about house stuff? Or do I, am I willing to risk those people going away for the hopes that I will be able to write about something that makes me come more alive? And so it's both. It's both what am I passionate about and how can I serve someone. And when those two things connect, then something really lovely can happen. And you, you've got yourself writing that spreads and a message that spreads.
1: You get to pick, though.
3: One of the people on my list, Emily, you were here when this happened. It's someone that I don't know their name. I don't know if we ever did, but we were at a blogging conference. One of the first ones we ever attended. I don't know what it was about, but a girl with a blog stood up and asked a question. She was like, well, I write about such and such, but I happened to write same kind of thing. I happened to write a post about running. Yeah, I remember this. And it got lots of whatever her definition of lots of traction. Should I change my blog and start talking about running? And that's an unlikely teaching to me because I did I knew the answer was no I didn't know why (laughs) but I knew let me never decide what I want to write about based on that kind of thing because that sounds so miserable same with the house stuff for you yeah blah right like I like to do stuff in my house
0: I just didn't want to write about it but it's almost the wrong question like someone once asked me at a conference so how do I increase my readership and I was like well I get your question but I think it's the wrong question um, you know, what makes you come alive? And how can you serve a person? I think those are better questions. Um, but yeah, I remember her saying the thing about running. Mm-hmm. Like I have this one post I wrote, one singular solitary post a lot of people liked. And everyone like, was like well, ready with their do, pencil. You, do you want to write about running? I mean, if you do, <laughs> then great. But she didn't seem to want to. No, but she just was maybe consistent. a strategy move. Yeah. Like, that, well, like, I
3: should just write about that because,
0: because that's, that's what, what everybody wants. Clearly
3: yeah. Want. It's
4: so easy to do though. Yeah. It's so, right? I, I wrote, I've written my whole life, I've written one post that went viral, you know. <laughs>
0: That's in quotes, by the way. It's viral. It's for people who can't see us. <laughs> it,
4: was, um, it was when that Ashley Madison scandal came out. Oh, yeah. And I wrote sort of like like what I thought. Like, I was reading in the Bible that morning. I was like, this is what I think Jesus would say to this situation. <laughs> and I just kind of wrote it. And it just kind of came out. And it's one of those, like, like when you're tearing on on the computer then people will tear when they're reading it like that whole concept like it was it was something i needed to get out it was something people needed to hear it was a really good timing and it just went crazy like just like a lot a lot of people read it and then for the next 3 or 4 weeks afterwards i had this weird voice in my head that was like you should be that guy <laughs> wow. be their hero you should you should <laughs> You should check Google News every morning oh, and God. find the relevant story and look at what yes. Christ would do oh, wow. and and translate the
1: the scriptures for modern day. And then just want to and, die. But how did that make you feel and when they you will follow you? <laughs> on the, yeah. it's, it's the temptation of Christ. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. This can all be yours, and you this can monetize be... it and have a coloring book as well. You you deserve it. <laughs> How did that make you feel, though, when you when you thought that, though, it was that's a normal thing to think everybody would feel that way in the same situation. (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's fun because, okay, there's a
4: couple of thoughts, but it's just really (laughs) focusing it in. It's um, looking back. What I what I rest in is the pebble never sees the ripple. And. We write as pebbles sometimes and we sort of like throw our pebble, throw our blog into the water and like we just don't know how people are going to respond to it. And, and 99.9% of the time we never get that. You know, we never get somebody to write and say, that inspired me. Thank you so much. Like most of the time people are getting inspired and we're just like, I don't know, I guess, may you know, but every once in a while we get to see it. And I, I call those grace glimpses. Like we get these little glimpses of grace or whatever you want to call them, these little echoes or something. And it's kind of like every once in a while, just by God's grace, we get, we get to hear back, you know, we get to, we somebody says hey that one thing you said really inspired me one of my friends left me a voicemail yesterday and it was the nicest thing and I don't know like why he sent that it was an old friend from two moves ago like we haven't talked for a really long time but something about what was going on in his day made him think of me he called I didn't pick up because I was in the middle of something and so he left this really great voicemail how many providential things had to happen for him to leave me that voicemail mm. you know and in the same way how many providential things happen when we our blog does well like the lesson learned there is not like it's all about me. It was more like I was listening and I had something to say and I shared it and it resonated with people. But most of the time when I write something, either it doesn't resonate with people or I don't get to see it. But that doesn't mean stop writing. You know, that means just continue to lean in towards what I'm learning and sharing in a way that can engage people.
1: It's interesting. If if someone doesn't tell you that you've affected them a certain way, you assume that you haven't. yeah. Unless you hear that from them, maybe you've kind of failed or wasted your time. And I, I, I think there's a, we need to filter that. Uh, so,
4: so one one quick story. I I basically got fired for speaking the truth. That's my version now. But 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 there was a situation in which it was difficult to give the advice I needed to give, but I knew it was the right thing to do, and so I said it. And through a couple of circumstances after that, that was basically the end of that contract. And because. It was unwelcome at that time, and, and about a year later, this person, because um, we're still in a similar field, came up to me and said, hey, the thing you told me, I didn't want to hear at that time. I It was the last thing I wanted to hear, but it changed my life, and here's how it's changed my life, and that was one of those moments of like, what? And and this person walked away, and, and I just went, I immediately was like, Lord, like, how are you so gracious to me that you would let me hear that? Because- it was, it was something that I had second-guessed for a long time about leaning into truth and, and speaking truth when it was uncomfortable. And I think so many of us that have a message to share and an audience to serve, we want to write truth, but we we censor it and we filter it, and we want to write what's popular. We want to write the, the post about running that will get a bunch of thousand likes or whatever. But sometimes, every once in a while, the thing that is really coming from the heart and is really engaging and interacting with people and changing them is the thing that goes viral it doesn't happen all the time but sometimes it does and that's just like you just have to say lord thank you for that glimpse and that's what heaven's gonna be like but we only see it every once in a while right here on earth
0: and to going viral is really not all it's cracked up to be because no. what happens is people come to your space who aren't familiar with your voice and then you spend the next two weeks um, emotionally checking yourself and explaining, feeling like you need to explain yourself and you have all these people who just show up once and leave they, and, and a lot of times they're very vocal. So they show up and they say all the reasons why they disagree with you and they leave and they weren't the person you were really called to serve in the first place. So
1: And you get distracted. So
0: and then, you get, and then it's like okay sometimes I've thought about posts that I know probably would do pretty well but I've decided not to write them because they don't fit my filter in the end they wouldn't help me create space for my soul to breathe which is something that I, that's one of my filters for my blog because I I would know I would spend the next two weeks emotionally drained from having to feel like question myself of, of oh well they've they brought up this point and maybe that's wrong and you you sort of feel like you need to enter into this conversation that's so beyond serving your audience and so that's just a little encouragement for anyone who's like how can I get my post to go viral the real question is do you want to and will it will that really serve your audience
4: and it's just a blog post. And it's just at the blog end of the day. At the end of the just day, just a blog post. That's right. If it encourages somebody, if it helps them face the day a little better, if it helps them be a better dad or a better
1: mom, if it helps encourage them in their writing, hey, that's awesome. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode of the Hope Writer Podcast, I suggest you check out some of the articles and helps inside the Hope Writer membership site that talk about the same thing, such as what Ron Swanson wants you to know about success, or the superpower every writer has, or maybe the article... When you only have a few readers. And lots, lots more. You can go inside the Hope Writer membership community right now for a week for just a buck. A dollar for full access to Hope Writers for a week. You can read and watch everything and take notes and download everything. Then at the end of your week, we hope you stick around and become part of this encouraging community of writers like you. And you'll have the support you've been looking for. No more feeling alone and the private Facebook page will connect you with us and with many, many more writers who are right where you are. You can make writer friends, ask for help and advice, get feedback on the private Hope Writer Facebook page. It starts right now for you. Just visit hopewriters.com slash trial to join Hope Writers for a week for a buck. We'd love to connect with you soon Inside Hope Writers A dollar for a week HopeWriters.com Slash trial The next episode of the Hope Writer podcast Why blogging is not dead You haven't started your blog And you think it's too late No, it's not You've been out of the while And you're wondering if it's worth it Well, the next episode of Hope Writers Is for you Blogging isn't dead But it is changing And we'll talk about how it's changing Why it's still valuable And how to think about it If you're just starting out Or if you've been at it for years That's episode 5 of Season 1, the next episode of the Hope Writer Podcast. You might subscribe so you don't miss it, and we'd love for you to leave an honest rating and review on iTunes. And final words of writing hope from C.S. Lewis. If you simply try to tell the truth without caring how often it's been told before, you will, 9 times out of 10, become original without ever having noticed it. Thanks for listening.